Lord God, as we come now to focus on your word, we expect you to speak to us. We, we expect to hear your voice. But Lord, help us this morning to listen. Help us this morning to fight distraction. Help us to concentrate. And as we tune our ears into you and your word, may we hear your voice speak to us by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first sermon I ever preached was in Malahide in County Dublin. I was the youth worker there and I, I did a little bit of everything and, and the minister was really keen that I got experience in lots of types of ministry. And so one morning it was my delight or duty, however you want to put it, to lead the morning service and to preach the sermon. And it was awful. Like really, really awful You've probably noticed this, but whenever I'm nervous, I'm sure you've seen it here some Sunday mornings, whenever I'm nervous, I start to speak really, really fast. I go into fast forward and the words just fly out of my mouth far too quickly for anyone to understand. Well, this particular morning, I was particularly nervous and I managed to get through everything. That means the welcome, the prayers, the offering, the songs, the sermon, the benediction, the whole shebang in 43 minutes flat. It was terrible. Uh, and I stood at the back of the, the church and people were going into the hall for coffee after. And as they do, you know, they walk past and some of them said, well done. And I thought, really? And then others, I really love these people. They just told me bare-faced lies. Some of them, that was great. I thought, thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate your lie this morning because I want the ground to swallow me up. But there was one man, and, and he came up to me at the end, and, and he came up with a word of genuine encouragement. Well done, he said. I thought, where's this going? And he says, no one complains at a short sermon. <laughs> The first sermon I ever preached was absolutely dreadful, a car crash, awful. Well, this morning we're going to look at a first sermon. And it's the first sermon preached by the Apostle Peter. And not only is it his first sermon, but this is the first sermon that is ever preached by the Christian church. The Holy Spirit has just arrived. It's just empowered the disciples and the apostles and what does Peter do with this empowerment? He gets up and he preaches. He preaches. The effect of my first sermon, it meant people were home early for lunch and they were glad. But what's amazing about this sermon, this sermon in Acts 2, 14 to 41, is the effect it had. Because the effect of this really good sermon was the growth of the church. Did you notice down in verse 41? After Peter preached, what does it tell us there? It tells us that around 3,000 people were added to their number. Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 people became Christians and members of the church. I'm a little bit envious. Incredible. And what's really incredible is that throughout the whole book of Acts, preaching is always associated with growth. In the 28 chapters of Acts, there's 37 references to the church growing. And 24 of those times, the growth of the church is directly related to the preaching of the word. You see, preaching and church growth, they, grow, they go hand in hand. They walk down the street together as a couple. They go hand in hand. Preaching in the early church was what led to the growth of the church. Good, effective preaching. But it didn't just lead to the growth of the church. 
Preaching also led to the growth of individual Christians. It didn't just make the church grow numerically, but it helped Christians to grow spiritually. And that's why Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, says this, He is the one we proclaim. He's the one we preach, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He says, here's the reason we preach, guys. It's because we want you to be mature in Christ. Here's the reason why we proclaim the Bible to you and proclaim Christ to you. Because we want you to grow. We want you to be encouraged in your faith and grow. It's amazing in the early church. Preaching was so important to them. It was so valuable to them. They they knew that it needed to be done for the church to grow and for their faith to grow. It was important numerically and it was important spiritually. But nowadays, I think preaching has fallen on bad times. I'm not sure the church today value preaching very much. In fact, I reckon that in some churches, and maybe it's some of you here this morning too, you'd quite happily get rid of the sermon part of the service. Preaching has fallen on hard times. Preaching today is not valued as it should be. But folks, we really should value preaching. We really should see it as being vitally important for the growth of the church and the growth in our Christian lives. Because that's what the Bible puts it as. Preaching is how God speaks. It's, it's the main way that God speaks to us and grows the church and grows us. Preaching's quite hard. Do you know that? Preaching is hard work. And there are some weeks that I get up here and I preach and I think that was just like my first sermon in Malahide. That was absolutely awful. That was a complete car crash. There are some sermons that I preach and I think that wasn't very good. And so this week it's been really helpful to look at this passage. Because this passage shows us what good preaching does. If anyone wants to listen to preaching, you want to hear good preaching, don't you? Well, what's good is that this passage shows us what good preaching does. And there's seven things we see in Peter's sermon which shows us what a good sermon should do. And don't worry, they're all quite short, so this will not be a really long sermon, so you can stay awake. But seven things. The first thing we see in Peter's sermon is that a good sermon addresses people. A good sermon is aimed at the people sitting in front of the preacher. And we see that in verse 14. Here they are, this big crowd, and look at verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. He spoke directly to the people sitting in front of him. This wasn't some abstract, weird sermon that belonged in a lecture theater or in a a lecture hall. This was directed directly at the people in front of him. And that's what good preaching does. It aims at the people in front of the preacher. Good preaching, a good sermon will address you. If you're here week by week and you feel that the sermons are aimed at you. If you're here week by week and you think, you know, that sermon was written for me, it's it's challenged me or it's, it's made me think or it's done something to me, that's good. That's what it's meant to do because a good sermon addresses people. What else do we see a good sermon does in this sermon? Well, a good sermon also connects with real life. I don't know about you, but I've listened to some sermons and, and they just haven't, connected with my life at all. They've been all ahead knowledge, nothing about how to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. 
they've been about topics or issues that are just completely and utterly irrelevant. Ever listen to sermons like that? You come out thinking, what was that guy talking about and what on earth has it got to do with me? But what we see in this passage is that a good sermon will connect with real life. The world we live in, the world we walk in, the world we work in, our family, a a good sermon will connect with real life issues. A good sermon will be relevant to us. Sometimes maybe more relevant than others, but it should connect with our lives. And we see this in Peter's preaching, don't we? There is a real live issue for the people Peter's addressing. What's the issue? It's that the Holy Spirit has come. These men are talking in tongues and they're saying to everybody, what's going on here? What is this phenomenon? What is this thing happening in our world? What's this going on in front of us? That is the real life issue. And if you have a look at verses 14 to 16, you'll see that Peter addresses it. Let me explain this to you. You see this thing you're seeing? You see this thing in your life just now? You see this thing in front of you? Let me explain it to you. Let me talk to you about this issue. Let me explain what's going on in front of your eyes. Verse 15, these men are not drunk as you suppose. No, verse 16, what was spoken, that what is happening was spoken by the prophet Joel. Sermons, a good sermon, will connect with real life. It should connect with our world. It should connect with our questions. We should expect a good sermon to connect with us. Sometimes, I think it's funny whenever people speak to me and they say, Marty, you know, that really connected with my life. And it's like it's a surprise. It shouldn't be. God's word is relevant to our life. God's word wants to speak into our lives, into the issues we face, into the life that we live. We shouldn't be surprised when this happens. It should be the normal. Good preaching should connect with real life. On to the third thing. A good sermon we see in this passage explains what the Bible says. So Peter's answering the question, isn't he? What's going on here with these tongues? And what does Peter do? He points them to the Bible. He says, look what the prophet Joel said. And then what does he do in 17 to 20? If you look at those verses, he's quoting from the book of Joel. He's explaining the Bible to people. He's using the Bible to give an answer for the questions that people have. He's taken them to the written word of God. And he explains what the Bible says to them. And folks, this is what good preaching does. Good preaching points people to the Bible. And good preaching explains what the Bible says. It shows people God's written word. And it says, look what God says. Let me explain this to you so that you know what God is saying. Folks, what makes preaching good is that it's from God's word. The Bible should be the engine that drives a sermon. It should be the steering wheel that directs where a sermon goes. It should be the authority on which the sermon stands. Do you know, I would really struggle with preaching if my job was to get up and tell you my thoughts. Do you know, I don't have any bright ideas. I don't know how to cope with life's issues. If preaching was me getting up and saying what I think I should say, that preaching would be useless. But that's not what preaching is. Preaching is standing up and proclaiming what God has said in his word. Good preaching points to the Bible and explains it. But that's not all it points to. Let's look at the fourth thing. 
good preaching also points to Jesus Christ. Do you see what Peter does? He, he answers the question and he says, look, what's happening? It was prophesied by Joel, but let me now tell you about Jesus. He points to Jesus. Look what he says, verse 22. He says that Jesus, God did miracles and signs and wonders through him. Then verse 23, he says that Jesus, in line with God's plan, was crucified. Then look at verse 24. He says that God raised Jesus from the dead. Then in verses 25 to 31, he says in the Old Testament, David prophesied about Jesus, that he would sit on his throne and be raised from the dead. And then if you look at verse 33, he says that Jesus is now at the right hand of God and is responsible for pouring out the Holy Spirit. And then just to sum up that his message is actually all about Jesus, if you look at verse 36, Peter said, God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. See what Peter does? He answers the question and he answers it from the Bible, but then he shows them how Jesus is the real answer. He, he points them to Christ. He points them to who Jesus is. He, he opens up their eyes, if you like, to who Jesus is. And this is what a good sermon should do. It shouldn't just point us to ourselves. It shouldn't just point us to the Bible. But it should point us to Jesus. One of the goals in preaching is to help people see how beautiful Jesus is. To help them see again how, how fantastic he is, how sufficient he is, how amazing he is. A good sermon will, will always point to Christ and say, look at what he's done. Isn't he fantastic? And then we see the fifth thing a good sermon should do. And of all of them, I think this is the one that most preachers want to get rid of. It's the one that I would be quite happy to ditch some mornings. But what's the fifth thing a good sermon does? It exposes sin and it calls for repentance. It exposes sin and it calls people to turn. What does he do in verse 38? What does he do in verse 34? Look what he says. He says, you've crucified the Son of God. The people are standing in front of him. And what does he do? He says to them, look, listen to who Jesus was. Now think about what you've done. You've crucified him. Do you see what he's doing to them? He, he's showing them their sin. He's showing them how they've responded to the Son of God. They've killed him. And then what does he call them to do? Look at verse 38. He calls them to repent, to, to turn, to turn to Christ for forgiveness, to turn to Christ as the leader of their lives, to turn from sin and to turn to Christ. Peter points out sin, he exposes sin, and he calls people to repent. Why is this so important? Why is this such an important thing that sermons should do? There are two reasons. The first reason that's important is important for our own growth. What is the, the thing that God is doing in us? He's making us more like Jesus, isn't he? Those of us who are Christians, he, he's making us more like Christ. But what was Christ like? He was sinless, wasn't he? He was perfect. He had no sin in him at all. And so what does becoming more like Jesus mean? It means continually recognizing our sin and turning from it. We'll never be perfect. Don't mishear me. We're always going to be flawed, messed up sinners this side of heaven. But if we're going to grow to be more like Christ, we need to see our sin 
so we can turn from it. It's so important we see it when we hear preaching because it shows us where we need to repent. But it's not just important for our growth, it's important for the growth of the church. Do you know what a Christian is? It's someone who has recognized their sinfulness and who's recognized what Jesus has done for them to forgive their sin. And it's someone who has decided to trust in him as their forgiver and to make him the leader of their life. But you see, if someone doesn't see their sinfulness, you see, if someone doesn't see that they're flawed and that they've rebelled against God, do you know what they're never going to do? They're never going to look for a savior. They're going to never look for someone who can forgive them. And so it's important that, that good sermons highlight sin and expose it. Why? So that people can turn to the Savior and trust him and find forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you recognize the sin in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you recognize the, the failures in your life and you recognize your rebellion against God. Let me ask you a question. Have you turned to the Savior for your forgiveness? Have you trusted in him to cleanse you from all of your sinfulness? Have you trusted him? Folks, later on, we're gonna take bread and we're gonna take wine. And do you know what the bread and wine tell us? They tell us that Christ has done enough. The bread and the wine tell us that, that he shed his blood and that, that, that his death is enough to give us life. Jesus, the sinless son of God, became sin for us so that we would know no sin, so that we could be forgiven for our sin. Have you trusted him? Have you relied on him this morning? A good sermon, it exposes sin and calls for repentance. But not only that, it calls for a response. That's the sixth thing. Good preaching should get under our skin. And if you have a look at verse 37, you'll see that it provoked a response in the hearers. Peter's first sermon did. Have a look at verse 37. Luke tells us there that when they heard this, when they heard his sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They heard Peter's words and it evoked a response in their heart. They were cut to the heart. They recognized what they'd done. They recognized who Jesus was. And then it led to them making a response of their life. What shall we do? And folks, this is what good preaching does. It evokes a response in our minds, in our heads. It, it causes us to think differently sometimes. It, exp it, 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 it evokes a response in our hearts. Sometimes you will listen to a sermon and God will make you feel differently inside because of what's said. He'll move you emotionally. It will evoke our hearts. And at times it will evoke our hands and how we live. There are some Sundays we should leave here thinking, do you know what? I need to do something because of this. I need to live differently because of what God has said in his word. A good sermon evokes a response. But there's one more thing. And this thing trumps all of the rest. This thing is more important than any of the other things that have been mentioned so far. A good sermon is empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see at the end of the chapter, 
Verse 41, 3,000 people become Christians. 3,000 people are added to the church that day. Why was that? It wasn't because Peter ticked off those six things as he did his sermon preparation. It wasn't even because his sermon was, was particularly well put together. The reason why 3,000 people or around 3,000 people became members of the church and to faith in Christ was because the Holy Spirit empowered Peter's words and the Holy Spirit took those words that Peter was preaching and he used them in the lives of those who were listening. His sermon was empowered by the Holy Spirit. John Calvin, one of the reformers, said this, there are two ministers preaching when a preacher preaches. There are two people preaching. There is the visible human speaker. There is the preacher himself. But then if the words are to have any benefit, they must be winged along to the hearts of the listeners by the Holy Spirit. Good preaching is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Whenever someone gets up and they preach God's word, it can be mumbled and jumbled. It can be all over the place. But if the Spirit of God decides to speak to people, he will. I have to say, I am humbled as someone who preaches. And the reason I am humbled is because God takes these feeble words I say and these mashed together sermons that I preach some weeks and he uses them in ways I couldn't imagine. I was reading over this last night and um, I was actually looking at this point and I was trying to encourage myself, Marty, do you know what? It, it doesn't actually matter. You know, you've got to try hard to put together a good sermon, but, but God speaks by his spirit. And I, I've tried to hammer this home in my own mind and I've tried to encourage Scott in it and I've tried to encourage anyone I'm, I'm, I'm helping with preaching in this that God speaks through his word by the spirit. But sometimes you, you, you wonder because you don't particularly hear very much back from people. Last night, I was sitting, thinking about this, and I, and I got a text message on my phone. I'll just get it up here. It's from someone who was listening to the sermon on the podcast, and what you need to know about this guy is he's not a complete looper. He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not like one of these super spiritual people who does crazy things. This guy is a very serious guy who, who's just normal, and, and in fact, he's quite straight-laced at times. And when it comes to spirituality and things, he's, he's not like Mr. Happy Clappy. He's just like a really normal, quite tough bloke. And he said this. He said, um, had an interesting moment out walking the dog, listening to your sermon from last week. When you were talking about Jesus presenting our babbling prayers to God, that's from the evening service, I just felt the need to start praying. But then he goes on. Then a wee bit down the road, I had an urge to get on my knees, the kind of urge that doesn't go away. So there I am on the footpath on my knees in broad daylight, praying. I probably looked like I was insane. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Here's a guy listening to a sermon, which is mumbled and jumbled and not the most best sermon in the world. And yet God prompts him to pray to the point he gets on his knees. 
And this friend of mine, he's quite sick at the minute. So he sent me a text after, and he said this. Since I've been sick, not once have I prayed to get better. Maybe because I'm scared and anxious about it all. I've been a cynical prayer for a long time. But that thought of Jesus presenting prayers to the Father is not one I've ever had or at least recognized. If that's happening, I want on board. Mate, it's really, really exciting. God takes the words that are preached and he uses them in people's lives and he speaks to them by the power of the Spirit. God speaks through preaching. And for, I want you to value it, and not just because I get paid to do it. I want you to value it because God speaks through it. As I prepared this sermon, I've been uh, challenged and encouraged, and it's given me a lot of things that I need to do. Morty, whenever you prepare, make sure that you're doing these things. But there's one other thing that is needed for a sermon to be effective. I can do all of this stuff. And the Spirit himself can be wanting to speak to people through preaching. But there's one more thing that's needed for preaching to be effective. And what's needed are people who are willing to listen. What's needed are people who are willing to listen. Do you notice Peter saying that? Look at verse 14, the end of it. What does he say to the big crowd? Listen carefully to what I say. You need to listen to me here. Listen, he says. And then verse 22, men of Israel, listen to this. Do you know what's really sad? What's really sad is that if you read through the Bible from beginning to end, there is a tragic epidemic among God's people. And the epidemic is they don't want to listen to God. From Exodus, even from Genesis at times, right through. One of the things that God's people often refuse to do is to turn their ear to God and to listen to him. They don't want to hear him very often. And as a preacher, I can get up here every week and I can open up the Bible and I can preach my heart out. And the Spirit of God could empower my preaching. But it will be no use at all if you're not prepared to listen. I'm trying to get better at my preaching. Hopefully I will improve in the coming years. But here's a question for you. How prepared are you to get better at your listening? How prepared are you to, to become a better listener? I'm going to try to become a better preacher. I promise you. But here's the question. Are you committed to becoming a better listener? Because we must listen. We've got to open up our ears. We've got to be active in trying to hear what God says. Maybe you're challenged by that. Maybe you recognize the guys in the video. Well, here's some things you can do that may help you with your listening. The, the first thing to do is prepare to listen. Prepare to listen to the sermon. And there's three things that I want to encourage you to do in order to be well prepared to hear the sermon. The first one is that little picture on the left. Read the passage. 
You see, whenever it comes to, to reading the Bible together before the sermon, I want to encourage you to get the Bible out and to open it to the page and to engage your mind in reading it. I want to encourage you to, to read this passage before I preach it so that you have already seen and heard what God says in it. Sometimes I think we take this book for granted. People died so we can have it in English. So I want to encourage you, prepare to hear the preaching by reading the passage. If you know what's going to be preached on Sunday, read it at home if you can. The second thing I want to encourage you to do to prepare is to pray. Pray at home, pray during the week that whenever you come here on a Sunday morning or evening, pray that God will speak to you. Pray that God will take whatever passage is being preached and that he by his spirit will speak to you. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to hear him speak through the preaching of the word? Then I encourage you at home to pray that God would speak and pray for the preacher. Pray for me, pray for John, pray for Scott, whoever is preaching. Pray for them that God would speak to them as they prepare. And this last one is very practical, but get enough sleep. Come to church feeling refreshed. Come to church so that whenever the sermon comes, you're not dozing off because you went to bed at 3 a.m. Go to bed early. Get a good night's sleep. Come ready to listen. Prepare to listen. The second thing then is that whenever I'm preaching or whenever someone is preaching, be active in your listening. Do things as you listen. And here's a number of things you could do. The first one I've already said, have your Bible open. Make sure that what I'm saying is in the passage. That's it. You know, you could maybe call me up on a few things if you do that. Make sure that what I'm saying is not my ideas, but what God is saying in the passage. Have your Bible open. And whenever I, I say to look at a verse, look and see it's there and I'm not making it up. Engage your mind. Engage in listening by reading the Bible. The second thing that you might want to try doing, and this doesn't work for everyone, is make notes. Um, in your handout, I don't know if you know this, but there's a little section and it's been there for months and it's called Bible Talk Notes. And it's got the, the passage in five words or less. What's the talk about? It helps you remember what the sermon was about. What's the main points? What's the one thing it's encouraged me in? Use this. Actively listen by making notes if that helps you. Especially if you find you zone out, making notes is a good way to stay engaged. Use notes. Make notes if you can. A third thing to do then is to pray. Pray as you listen. Lord, that, that's a good point. Help me remember that. Lord, I'm convicted by that. Help me turn from that. As you listen to the sermon, talk to God as you listen. Man, it's hard for us to do two things at once, but maybe we could do that, I know. And, and the third thing to do, the fourth thing to do is the, the most important. Listen for the Spirit's voice. What is God saying by his Spirit to you? I went to a, a pastor's conference a number of years ago and I listened to a great preacher called Sinclair Ferguson. He's Scottish, this brilliant accent. And it, it, was a, it was a conference for preachers. And he just said this, he says, you know, the Spirit of God does what he wants as you preach and you need to let him. What's that about? And he, and he told this story. And he says, a, a priest one morning, he said, he said, um, a man at the end came up to me and he says, Dr. Ferguson, I need to speak to you after. Because there's something you said in that sermon that, that I need to, 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 to respond through. And he wanted to become a Christian. So Sinclair, okay, let's do it. So he says, he says, Dr. Ferguson, it was whenever you quoted that song, 
Whenever you quoted that hymn, the, the lyrics of that hymn, God used them to speak to me. And circular was thinking, well, going to even my sermon. It wasn't even anything I said. It was the words of this hymn. He was a bit disappointed. But anyway, and so he, he led the man to Christ. And Sinclair Ferguson went home and he started to think. And he thought, you know, I don't remember ever quoting that hymn. And he went back to his full manuscript. And he didn't. He never quoted the hymn once. But as he was preaching, the Spirit of God was preaching and saying something to that man. And folks, what I want to say to you is that as you listen to sermons, if your mind goes somewhere else, obviously not to like, I don't know, football or something, but if if God takes your mind to something spiritual that's connecting with your life, listen to that. Listen to the Spirit's voice. And the last thing, listen afterwards as well. Three wee symbols. Talk to each other about the sermon. Tell people what God has said. Do you encourage one another as what you've heard? If God has spoken to you, tell others. It'll encourage them. Talk about the passage. Look at your notes at home. Review the passage at home. In the week, whenever you go home, don't forget about what was said on Sunday, but go back to it and think about it. And then the last thing is do something. Listen after by by living out what the sermon has said. The first sermon I ever preached, it was absolutely awful. Hopefully I'm getting better. I want to get even better as the years go on. But the question I want to ask you is, how is your listening? Will you commit to listening better? Will you commit to opening your ears? Whenever the word of God is preached, the voice of God is heard. And the big question for us is, will we listen to it? Let's pray before we come to, to spend time taking the Lord's Supper. Lord, we are staggered that you speak. You made us and, and you could have been silent, but instead you speak to us through the scriptures and through the preaching of your word. And Lord, we, we pray for our congregation that as your word is preached here, that this church would grow. We pray that we'd see people come to faith in Christ and become members of the church. We pray, Lord, too, as people are drawn in and hear your word, that you would grow our congregation and grow us spiritually too, we pray, as we, as we engage in your word. Lord, help me and the others who preach here. But Lord, more than that, help us all to open our ears and listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.